Hello and welcome back to Exposure Ninjas Podcast Extra, the wonderful Tim Cameron Kitchen and myself, Jess Percival. Today we are talking about the best ways to generate leads in the next 12 months and if you're building a new marketing strategy. These are really tried and tested lead generation strategies and they work for all businesses, not just sometimes when people hear lead gen, they think, ah, oh, this is just for lead gen businesses. But that's not the case. It's for anyone who, who has a business, really, that sells things, which is pretty much everyone. Um, so these strategies will work, yeah, for pretty much everyone. And you should be incorporating them into your strategy very, very soon. Tim, would you like to kick off? Yes, I would absolutely love to. And just apologize in case anyone can hear some background noise. Someone is sawing some tiles very close. So enjoy the background harmonies of whatever that big circular saw, circular saw. Um, okay, one of my favorite lead gen strategies, and I guess one of the things that we've implemented for Exposure Ninja clients a lot over the last decade and has been a consistent source of great leads across various different industries is really simple. It's basically, how do I describe this? It's creating content that targets problems potential customers have, particularly if they don't know that you exist yet. Do you want an example, Jess? Please, Tim, please, because that was a lot of words. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. This isn't the example I'm going to give isn't strictly lead gen, um, but it's it shows exactly the process. So uh, we bought a fig tree for our lounge, right? And in our house, I'm the person who's in charge of the plants, mainly sort of keeping them alive. So we bought this fig tree and I'm like, I'm keeping you alive, mate. You and me, we're seeing our, our days together. I'm keeping you alive. Stick with me. Anyway, inevitably, within a first couple of weeks, this thing's dropping leaves. Leaves are going brown. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. So bad's going to happen to Tim if this thing dies. So I start looking around online, uh, describing my problem, fig tree leaves going brown, dropping, whatever. And I find this beautiful, I, don't, I can't remember whether it's a website or a YouTube channel. I think it's probably both. Um, but this content that exactly describes what my problem is, shows me pictures, explains it all. And it presents the solution, which is this liquid, which you add to the water in order to prevent what's called fig tree root rot, which is the sort of diagnosis that this content had given me for my situation. Now, immediately I'm buying this and I upsold to the bundle, which included all the other fig tree accessories as well. And I went from not knowing, I wasn't looking for fig tree fertilizer or fig tree root rot preventer or whatever. Whatever that liquid is, it's not even a root rot thing, right? It's probably just some like antibacterial thing or some fertilizer. I don't know what the thing is, but they've presented it as the solution to a problem. And then they'd found me by writing about the solution to my problem. So I very quickly converted despite not having any sort of commercial intent on the front end, really. I didn't have commercial intent. I actually wasn't looking to buy anything. But because they put that content in me, in front of me, and got it right in front of me when I needed that, the, pres the presentation of their product was very compelling. So that's how it works. Now, of course, that's like e-com, but it also works for uh, all sorts of industries. We had someone on the Explosion in the show back in the olden days, maybe even before you were born, Jess, um, from Proposify, and I think it was Proposify, or one of the proposal softwares. And um, he shared the strategy that they'd used to grow a lot which was um, 
they'd created a whole bunch of proposal templates for different industries and they got these rankings. So when an architect searches for architect proposal template, up comes the Proposify website or whatever it was with an uh, with an architect proposal. And they would then go onto this page and say, oh yeah, this is a great proposal template. And the proposal template will be inside the software. So they'd gone from not having any commercial intent at all, I'm not looking for proposal software, to looking for a particular solution. That solution is then presented, you know, the, the, the customers, the company's product is presented as a solution. They then go and buy it because actually when you think about it, it's not ideal to be copying and pasting from Word or whatever. So they end up purchasing and that led to their significant growth. It led to a huge increase in traffic for them and that traffic converted very well as well, I seem to remember, because they nailed that problem. So that's the first thing is this creating content about um, the problems that your customers have, even if they don't have commercial intent, and even if, especially if they're not looking for you yet. Absolutely. Yeah, there'll definitely be people out there who don't even know that they have a problem, right? So they might be searching for things like a checklist, or something like that. And turns out that their problem is far bigger and needs far more of a change than just what a checklist can provide. But unfortunately, they don't know that. They don't know that you're the solution. They don't even know that they need a solution. So you really have to think about the things that your customers are searching for, whether they know you exist or whether they even know that their problem exists. Like some people don't even know that there's a there's an answer to that. They don't even know that that, they can't even believe that thing exists. They can't even imagine it. Like I didn't even know that fig trees specifically have root rot. You know what I mean? And like, you wouldn't even know that that was the answer to your problem. But sometimes you don't even know you have a problem in the first place. You think you know the solution and you need educating that actually you do have a problem. Um, so that's, yeah, I think that's incredibly, incredibly useful for lead gen for sure. And the next step on that. So a lot of businesses will do that and they'll create content or not a lot, of, but some will create, do that and they'll create the content around it. And then they think, well, you know, I don't want to spend money on that traffic because it doesn't necessarily have commercial intent. So I'm just going to rank organically. I'm just going to put out stuff that, that, you know, ranks organically and gets organic traffic. And I think what we've seen with some of our clients over the years has been that actually, if you know that your conversion rate on that traffic is high and the clicks are relatively cheap, from like paid search, for example, you can make the numbers work more often than not by driving paid traffic to that content as well. Because in all reality, if you're, you know, let's say that you're looking at a phrase like fig tree leaves falling, well, that's going to have incredibly low CPCs because that's not a commercial search. But if you know that you can make money from that informational intent traffic, you can afford to spend a few pence or a few cents per click knowing that you've got like a one or 2% conversion rate, your average value, order value is X and you know, you, you can work on it. So don't discount running paid traffic to that sort of informational content if you know your numbers. Absolutely. On the topic of paid traffic as well, there's also opportunities if you know that you have a competitor who's really popular, but you do something better. I see this all the time where people run ads and it will say, you know, you'll search for like project management software or you're not even that you'll type in like monday.com into your search and then it will come up and there'll be somebody above monday saying we're better than monday i think monday do it with salesforce and when you type in salesforce you get an advert from monday being like tired of really confusing software or this software is easier than salesforce you know and obviously you have to back up your claims you can't just say that you're you know 
way better than Salesforce and then you log in and it's just dreadful. Um, but that's another way that you can generate leads because those people are already thinking about converting. They've already started doing their research or maybe they've just been told in passing, oh, you you guys need to get on Salesforce, you know, and they're not totally sure they type in Salesforce and then they see, oh, this advert is saying that Salesforce is really complicated and we don't want that. Let me check out monday.com. So yeah, it's very, that's another pretty smart way that you can generate leads using PPC for sure. Yeah, that's an excellent example. And if you know that, you know, Salesforce people have problems with pricing, don't they? So if you, Salesforce pricing, if someone's searching for that, they're about to buy, but they're thinking, oh, or they're about to think, oh, you know, and if you know you're competitive in that area, oh, lovely jubbly, snatch them right at the finish line, drag them over Absolutely. to your team. And if you're not sure about what, people are thinking about competitors, speak to your customers and say, why did you choose us over this competitor? Like monday.com probably spoke to some of their customers and they were like, yeah, we moved from Salesforce or we chose you over Salesforce because we found it really complicated or the price was too high, or maybe it was even just too big for their needs. Like maybe they were a smaller business. So yeah, definitely speak to your customers to kind of find out the questions or the reasons why they, they chose you over competitor and then include that as like a unique selling point in your ads. Super, super important um another thing that you should be looking at with your lead generation is any sort of like tripwire products or services that you offer that have like a lower barrier to entry so you might offer a course or something a little bit smaller that will then help people make that final conversion so for instance um there's a mattress brand in the uk called simba and they offer, I mean, this is a big example. I have to say this is still quite a big investment, but they actually offer almost a subpar version of their core product, right? They offer like a way cheaper kind of, not NAF, I don't want to say it's NAF, it's probably still better than a lot of, a lot of products. But not only does this work as kind of a gateway into buying more stuff from Simba, it also works as kind of a if you want to spend less, you could buy this, but actually put it next to our better product. If you want to spend a bit more, you get this, but actually put it next to our even better product and you could spend even more. And Tim's nodding his head. And I think Tim, you might've actually been drawn in by this exact tactic, by this exact brand, perhaps. You have good memory, Jess, this yes. Is actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. It's not the, obviously that's a bit more of a high level example. Tim, I don't know if you have some examples that are more, kind of a little bit more entry level than let's say a 500 pounds, 500 pound mattress is kind of a lower investment product. Well, I, I mean, I do think this works at all levels. Um, we've got a client, we've won a bunch of awards for this client where they sell hearing aids uh, and a hearing aid is a higher ticket product if you're buying them privately. So maybe a re region of like one to 2K maybe. Um, and that means that it's very competitive to try and get hearing aid customers because they are, you know, decent size value. So what we identified with this client is that in the UK, we have the NHS, right, which is the National Health Service. And this is a free um, healthcare, the sort of the basics of healthcare are free in the UK. In fact, it's all free in the UK if you want to use the NHS. And we identified that because of funding squeezes, the NHS had... Um, stopped offering wax removal. So earwax removal, a little bit gross, uh, but they'd stopped offering this. Now, we knew from talking to our client that actually a lot of people who came in thinking they just had blocked ears ended up needing a hearing aid. So 
we worked with this client to start promoting a free wax removal service, knowing that this would be a way of getting people in through the front door. And a percentage of those people would then be eligible for, you know, they'd, they'd be potential hearing aid customers. And this worked incredibly well, really incredibly well. We timed it just perfectly. So we were pushing really hard and we had a lot of pages ranking for, you know, uh, wax removal type phrases. We ran ads on it. And we knew that the client was very good at upselling these people into uh, into hearing aids as well. This um, this strategy is now the sort of default strategy taken by all of the sort of major high street audiologists and even larger companies like uh, Specsavers and Boost, I think, also do this. So strategies like this often do have a bit of a, a shelf life. They do have a, a cutoff because once the industry figures out that this is a, a thing, then it becomes the default thing in your space. But that type of thing can be really powerful. I mean, also, and we talk about HubSpot's marketing, but they have a similar sort of strategy where they will offer a whole range of very low cost or even free tools to people like their email signature generator tool, which they're using to try and get people to sign up for a HubSpot account so that they can then upsell them knowing that in that in that case, a very small fraction of those email signature users will end up becoming HubSpot customers, but that the value of those HubSpot customers is sufficient that that's still worth doing. So I think looking at those little tripwire, those little, what do they call like a gateway drug, right? You don't start on whatever, you start on something that's very easy. Like what are the gateway drugs for your business or your industry and how can you start offering them? Even if you do it at a loss leader, same reason that, you know, supermarkets sell the milk very cheaply and they put it at the back because they want you to pass through all the other stuff to get to the milk. Like how can you do that for your business or your industry? Um, I, I think there's a lot of leverage there that people don't necessarily go straight to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, the example about the, um, the ear cleaning is also kind of ties into our first point about problems that people don't know that they have is that I definitely know older people in my life who have said, I don't need a hearing aid. I don't need a hearing aid. I just need my ears. Cleaned. And then they'll go have their ears cleaned. It doesn't fix the problem. And then it's kind of like, ah, and it gives the audiologist a moment to be like, if this doesn't help, it could be that you need hearing aids. Let's book you in for an appointment, a free appointment, like consultation in a month's time and just see how you're getting on and if it hasn't solved the problem then you probably need something more um i also notice as well like i'll be at spec savers having my eyes tested and they'll be like let's just do a quick hearing test just while we sort some stuff out and while i do some stuff on the computer and i thought that was that was very very interesting you just do it quickly on the ipad you know and it's really casual and then offering it as kind of oh we're giving this to you for free today um which is you know super helpful as well so yeah it kind of all all ties in together these tripwire services can also be kind of related to the research that you've done about people who don't even think that they have that problem so yeah there's um lots and lots of opportunity there for sure and the other thing that makes all of those examples that you just given really elegant is that they're very low cost to deliver aren't they you know if someone's already sat in the chair all you need to do is just plug them in give them a pair of headphones with the ipad off it goes you know you can roll that out of scale across all the stores knowing that you know whatever one in eight is going to turn into a potential lead or something like that well it's cost you nothing to get the, the incremental cost of getting those customers is absolutely nothing because the cost of delivering that thing is is very low you just train your people on it and give them an app on the thing and off you go 
Exactly. Yeah, it's super, super easy. Somewhat relevant to this, Tim, is having hyper niche pages on your website. Now, I know that some people can be a little bit scared of going hyper niche on stuff like this because they think, well, what's the point in making this page if the search volume is zero and, you know, not many people are going to visit it? Like, will the investment be worth it? Will we get enough conversions? And I would say that if, like, the tools aren't always right, sometimes they make mistakes and they register you know, less than a certain number as zero, but actually you are getting searched for that. And there's also the possibility that you've spoken to customers who you know are searching for these terms. You know full well that people use this language and search for these terms, just the tools are telling a different story. So, you know, trust your your own research and feel free to create pages that are more niche, that, um, you know, target, things that you know get a high conversion rate. Tim, I think you have some pretty good examples for this. Yeah, so this strategy is basically around creating hyper-niched, whether that's localized or whether that's industry-specific pages to target very small volumes of traffic. And I think one caveat to add here is that that's only worth doing if your average order value is decent, right? If you're selling, you know, I don't know, 20 pence or 20 cent earplugs it doesn't make sense for you to create a whole bunch of pages on like i don't know earplugs for concerts in southampton right you know it doesn't make any sense so you gotta you gotta apply some level of judgment to this uh, but let me give you an example so we, we had a client that um sells uh visitor management software so this is uh software that tracks whether people are coming in and going out of buildings and almost everyone in their industry was just targeting the broadest phrases. The broadest phrases had the most volume. So visitor management software was the sort of key phrase I think that people were sort of fighting over and spending all their budget on. Well, we identified that there was actually some relatively low search volume phrases, but things like visitor management software hospital, which very low search volume. So most people are just ignoring it because there's maybe, I don't know, I don't know how many, but if I was going to guess, it'd be like 10 searches a month per country because there aren't actually that many hospitals at any one point that are looking for visitor management software. But um, there was enough there that if we could get ranked very easily or we could advertise very cheaply, uh, and by cheap, I don't necessarily mean the cost per click would be low because actually the cost per click tend out to be very high. But we knew that that traffic that visitor was qualified enough the average order value is going to be good enough that we could justify building out those pages to target those sorts of phrases and it worked really well for them uh 74k investment yielded a 2.7 million pound pipeline um from those types of niche pages very easy to do very low competition um so it's sort of being willing to fight the battles that other people can't be bothered with or you know SEMrush apps that you love, but the data in there, it might tell you that there's zero search volume for visitor management hospital. Well, if you know, like you said, Jess, if you know that some people are going to be searching for that, just because it's underneath the threshold of what a tool like SEMrush is going to report, doesn't mean it's not worth doing. So yeah, just be willing to fight the battles that your competitors have already dismissed for being too small. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, we've had a question on our live stream as we record this podcast live every Tuesday, asking if we will could be continuing to touch on marketing news in in our podcast. And at the moment, because it's coming up to that time where everybody's getting ready for the next year and they're 
preparing their marketing strategies. We're talking about a lot of things relating to strategy at the moment, just to prepare you for um, for the year ahead. But in the future, we will be going back to marketing news when there is a lot to talk about. We also had a comment asking why you would wear earplugs to a concert, which is not related to marketing. But I would like to say, Tim, you are dead on. I'm a person who wears earplugs to a concert on occasion because it can get very loud, hurt your ears. And if you're working at concerts, you must be wearing earplugs. Very, very important. Anyway, back to the marketing. Now we've done the medical section. Um, next up is email lists. We always talk about email lists on this podcast because they're super, super important. And we often find that mailing lists go a little bit neglected, basically, is that you will have built this fantastic mailing list through a campaign or perhaps you have people signing up to an initial kind of automation or you're collecting emails to send um, information about somebody's purchase. And then they just kind of sit there and they don't really do anything. And we know from experience that you can make a huge return on investment from your mailing list. These are people who already want to hear from you. They've put their email in that box and they're saying, yes, I want to hear from you. They're staying subscribed and they, yeah, they want to hear from you. It's a great place to convert. I will give you a heads up with this strategy is if you haven't emailed people for a really, really long time, with your initial email, you will get a bunch of unsubscribes. That doesn't mean that's going to happen every single time. I just really want to reassure you that that is just something that happens when people signed up to a mailing list ages ago and then haven't used it. That won't happen every time. Just wanted to warn you. Tim, I think you have some some pretty good examples and quite a good little a colourful way to explain <laughs> the mailing list that's dormant. Do you think they want to know my snail hibernation fact, Jazz? I think they do want to know your snail hibernation. So fact. did you know that some snails can hibernate for three years? That's really long. That's really long. I, yeah, I'm not sure. How's it relate to email, Tim? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, but the the point is, your customers can also hibernate for equally long periods of time. In fact, sometimes longer. We've we know we regularly get clients that um, that come to us and they say, you know, I signed up for your email list. Uh, we had one that waited uh, six years be- between signing up to um, actually coming, uh, becoming a client. And you never know, like if you're selling something particularly that people buy, maybe people sign up for 12 month contracts or people buy, you know, uh, regular cycles in the business, it might just not be the right time for them at the moment. That doesn't mean that they're dead to you. It just might mean that they're hibernating and they might be hibernating for three months. Snail mail, Phil says, it's very good. It's very good. Exactly, yeah. Well, here's a recent example. So ages ago, I was saying, oh, I need a new suitcase really for future holidays. But I wasn't really, I hadn't really had anything booked. And my mum said, oh, you should check out Trip because I've used their suitcase and they're really good. So I was like, cool, headed on the website. You know, the email box popped up. I put my email in there because I thought, well, I'm going to need a suitcase at some point in the future. I've had recommendations from people. Sounds good to me. And then say I get an email you know, we're doing a sale. We've got suitcases in the size that you want for half price. And of course I brought one <laughs> and I had a 10% discount as well from when I originally signed up. Um, so yeah, it was just, just a really great experience. So even though it was kind of a thing that I'm like, not right now, but yes, in the future. And this is especially important for if you have higher, a higher price point, because people might need a little bit more time to think about it. Um, and just gent- gently nudging them, sending them reminders 
and you know things like that can really help move them towards that purchase so please please use please use your emailing list because it is fantastic total gold mine and and is it interesting that you use the example there of a discount and that can often like sometimes if you've got people in your mailing list that are old um not if you've got subscribers that have been a subscriber for a long time it's not like old people need discounts in order to make a purchase uh but sometimes they do if you've got my parents on your email list you're gonna have to come up with some big old discounts to get anything out of them but sometimes running some like reactivation offer or repackaging your service in an an original way can activate potential customers that wouldn't have otherwise been reactivated. At Explosion Ninja, we spent a lot of this year building out our branding uh, offering and introducing something called Fix Your Machine, which helps companies sort of whose digital marketing just hasn't been working, but they haven't been able to figure out why. But we created this service, which took a bunch of our branding work, our positioning, our customer research work. We packaged it all together in this thing that's called Fix Your Machine, which basically gets their business tuned up so that they can make more from their digital marketing. We'd offered these services for years, but because we packaged them in a new way and we could describe them in a new way, a bunch of our old subscribers who've been, you know, trawling away at the coalface trying to make their digital marketing work. When we said, hey, we've got this thing called Fix Your Machine, they're like, oh, that's exactly what I need. So they end up becoming clients. And I think sometimes it takes a different approach. If you haven't, you know, if you've been chipping away at these subscribers for years and years, sometimes you just need to chip away one more time but sometimes thinking, oh, okay, actually, what else could I sell you? Well, let me just turn this around and package this together. I'm going to put a bow on this and let's sell this. Then you might be getting people saying, oh, yes, I was just waiting for you to send that particular discount code or to put that particular product on offer or to come up with something that fixed my specific problem. So be creative and you can always target different segments of your email list according to the problems that they have by like sending them some content that describes different problems. If they click on one of them, you tag them, then you send them a product that solves that problem or whatever. So just be creative. Don't just treat your whole list as one sort of continuous blob that you're just smashing the same hammer with over and over again. You might want to try different hammers for different needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't don't sleep on your on your mailing list because it can be super, super helpful. We also want to talk to you about becoming a leading source of industry information. This can not only sort of bring people to you who are in your industry but didn't know they needed your thing but it also helps you look super 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 professional it's um yeah a really great way to get some more leads and tim i think you know a little bit more about this than i do i do Uh, again uh, speaking as a customer of this strategy so in the agency world there is a a niche accountancy firm that works with agencies called wow the wow company and they have this phenomenal um report that they produce called the agency bench press report And what they do is they basically take the data from their clients, they run surveys to the industry and they produce this, I don't know if it's annually or quarterly, I'm not too sure, but they produce this report, which basically is like a state of the agency industry. It tells you things like uh, how agencies are pricing, what what their outlook is on business, a whole bunch of stuff that as an agency owner or operator, you're going to be interested in reviewing. And it's a fantastic marketing tool for them because firstly, they're saying, we understand your industry. So huge amounts of credibility. 
because they're using data that you don't have access to, you're also thinking, wow, this is a really specialist, high expertise company. I need this level of expertise. I need this level of understanding in my life. But it's also a fantastic industry uh, lead generation asset for them. Because when they publish this, everyone wants to go and download it. Of course, it's behind an email sign up. So you're then on their email list and they know that you're an agency or someone who's involved in the agency space. So they're building a really high quality list. So I want to pose to you, the viewer or listener, what level of understanding do you have about your customers, which you might be able to sell back to them? And I don't mean sell as in you're transferring money, but how could you present that understanding or that unique insight that you have about your industry as a way to really position yourself as an expert in the space? Almost every business has some level of this. And then how do you promote it? How do you market it is another question. But using this type of strategy as a big net to catch a lot of fish can work really well. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you want to kind of know about this in like a, I guess, a more simple way. Now, this I suppose this isn't the best ever example because I can't actually remember what they were selling. Um, but I had seen a PPC ad where it was something to do with like one in four people do this. But then it was also kind of included like kind of a funny fact that was like one in four people can lick their elbow. That wasn't what they said, but it was something weird. Or it was like one in four people snort when they laugh. That's what I remembered seeing. It's like if you're a person that snorts when they laugh, then you're probably a person who also experiences this. And then it was kind of like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, a, Tim, you'd written something in the notes about like, show them they're weird, show them yeah. they're an outlier. And I kind of felt that with, with this ad is that it was very much like, you're part of a niche community that's as niche as this, you know? we want you. I can't, I wish I could remember what the business was. I've seen it a few times. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll remember. Well, oh yeah. Okay. So let's follow that. So how can you show people that you're, that they're weird? That works as a positive and a negative, right? So if I'm wow, and I wanted to take my bench press report to the next level, I'd be creating content on my website about average agency profit margins or average agency prices or whatever. And using that because the people who are going to be searching for that are going to be thinking, am I weird? Is it weird that my margin is like 2%? Well, I'm going to search for average agency margins. Oh, here's a piece of content. Oh, I can sign up for the thing to see what everyone else's margins are. And I can find out if I'm weird and potentially find the solution to my weirdness. You can use weirdness as a good thing, as in welcome to our community of weirdos. But you can also use it as a motivation to get people to seek a solution to their weirdness if their weirdness is in fact problematic. Absolutely. People definitely fall into the trap of thinking that, oh, well, this is fine because everyone in the industry is like this. And it turns out everybody was in the industry, in the industry was like that 10 years ago and they haven't caught up with the time. So it's really important to kind of, yeah, find out if you have any data like that or anything that you can share. And like, like Tim said, you can share it in kind of a positive weirdness way or maybe kind of an, don't want to say negative, but in it gives them something to work towards and they'll maybe consider, you know, oh, if I work with this company, then perhaps that'll help me move up to the next level and, and hit that same margin that is the benchmark in my industry, which is, yeah, very, very cool indeed. I think that's all we've got time for today. But if you are wanting to learn more and you're like, ah, I need, I need more information about leads, we have a wonderful blog post called 20 B2B Lead Generation Ideas You've Probably Not Tried Yet. I will share a link to that in the chat so you can go have a read and if you are a person who runs b2c if you head over to our blog there is also 
a version of that that focuses on B2C. But as ever, these things are often interchangeable and reading the opposite one can often be really inspirational and help you think about the problems you're facing in a different way. So both of them are definitely worth a read for sure. Hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. We will be back next week with a new shiny topic to talk about, which will help you journey on to the next part of your strategy, but you'll have to wait to next week to find out what that will be. Anything else you want to add, Tim? No, I can't wait to see what we're talking about next week. Yeah, it is planned. I just want to know. I just want to let you know it is planned. It's just gone out of my brain immediately, as things tend to sometimes in these podcasts. It is planned, but just not by us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how to get maximum results from your marketing budget. Thank you very much, Dale, for coming in clutch there and helping helping us out. Yes, it will be all about how to get the most from your marketing budget um, and how to kind of refine your budget ready for the new year. And with that, we shall see you next Tuesday. Enjoy your week. Bye. Bye.